Well, good evening, folks. It's good to be in the Lord's house, is it? I sat down over here on the front pew. I didn't know that was a young people's section. But I need to stay young, so I got in the right pew, didn't I? And they, they started coming around, and I started signing Bibles, and I said, if I, sign, if I keep signing Bibles, I'm going to feel like I'm a celebrity. But it, it's good to know the Lord, isn't it? Uh, I glad, I'm glad for the good report of the good meetings you've been having and how God's been helping and God's been blessing. And uh, I told the pastor, I said, uh, he is telling me about the meeting. I said, well, uh, I hope I don't come in and destroy uh, what's go, been going on down here. That's, that's great. I bless the Lord for it. It's so good to be, Brother Gravely, and be with you good folks and be in this church. Where Brother Cape was for all those years, uh, Miss Cape and, and Brother Berman, and back there in the years has passed and gone, and we, we used to go to them preachers' meetings, and then, you know, we'd go for a week, and there'd be probably 200 preachers there, or better, probably 200, 250 preachers, and uh, oh, you'd hear preaching, I'm yes. telling you. Brother Cape would always preach, and Miss Cape would always shout. Yes. And uh, we felt like we was in the, the right pew, you know. Yes, sir. And then Brother Jack Penegaris and his wife, yes. I was pastoring down on the south end of, of uh, Dalton, Georgia, and he was up on the north end. The Lord moved me up to Calvary Baptist there in Kingston, and I stayed there for 33 years. My wife's health went down, and uh, I gave the church over to Brother Plemons, and you believe it or not, but they still let me go there when I'm in town. The Lord sure is good, I tell you. And I appreciate Brother Jack and his wife. You know, those folks have just stayed with the stuff right down the line. That's really what counts, isn't it? It's really what counts. And I I count it a privilege to be here. Uh, The good singing, uh, you go to some places, and I'm telling you, as some of the great men of the past used to say, if you had a body, you could have a good funeral. And that is the truth. I'm talking about deader than last year's burden nest. Uh, you, you wondered what in the world has happened. Has God died? And, uh, you know, but I know he hasn't, so I just... I just figure they're, they're just in bad shape. Bad shape. But uh, it's not over. Uh, if it was over, the Lord would have done come and got us, wouldn't he? Yes, sir, it's not over yet. A lot of people think it is. Most of the places you go now, people have decided that nothing else is going to happen this good. And uh, therefore, as a result of that, they're just going to settle down and do nothing because the Lord's coming and he may come in my lifetime, but he might not. So I think we ought to be busy for the Lord, don't you? Thank God for this good church and this good pastor. I've known your pastor uh, since he was just a boy, really, uh, down at the camp. All right, 
I want you to open your Bible to the book of Ephesians. And um, I want to preach from the book of Ephesians tonight. I want to begin reading. Why don't we begin reading in verse 17 of chapter 1. This is a great book of the Bible. All of the Bible's great. This book of Ephesians is a great book. First three chapters has to do with doctrine of the wealth of the believer. I think if folks know what they have in Jesus, then I think it'll cause them to want to walk right, don't you? If you don't walk right, there's one or two things wrong with you. You didn't meet the Lord that I met, or else you'd never have found out who good he, how good he is, or you'd want to walk right. So he dealt with how we... You know, what we have and the, in the wealth of the Lord, and then he dealt with how we ought to walk. And when you get that in order, you'll be ready for the battle and the warfare in chapter 6. Most of the time we want to get to chapter 6 before we ever deal with the chapter 4 and following, don't we? But you can't skip chapter 4. Amen. I'm trying to get warmed up. Uh, I'm trying to get started. There's a lot to preach. I just want to preach what the Lord wants me to. I was in a meeting the other day and the preacher said, now take as much time as you want. And I said, well, 40 minutes will do me. I'm sure. And I had to apologize. I preached an hour before I knew it. Hardly. You know, sometimes God just gets in a rain, but don't he? Don't get scared. I don't have that much in me tonight. I'm sure. All right. I'm in verse 17. The Bible said, and this is Paul's prayer. This is Paul's prayer. Paul, the Bible said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Now you have the whole Godhead there in that verse 17. You got God the Father, you got God the Son, and you got God the Holy Ghost. And I want to say something, church, and I want to say something to all of us. The entire Godhead is behind the church of the living God. A lot of folks brag more on the devil than they do on Jesus. But why would you want to brag on the devil? He's a defeated devil. God has already dealt with him and he is already a judge devil and his time is short and he knows his time is short. That's why he's working overtime. But watch what the Bible goes on to say. And the thing that I'm trying to get to is the part where it said, the eyes of your understanding. I believe he's talking, he's talking to saints, right? So he said, the eyes of your understanding. He's talking about the heart. He's not talking about this heart that's in this fleshly body, but he's talking about the heart of the spiritual man, the eyes of the spiritual man. If you're saved, you have inside you a spiritual man. Isn't that right? 
So he said, the eyes you understand in being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Where's the water? Up here? Praise God. You got me two of them. I tell you what, I promise you, I won't preach any longer than the two bottles of water. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. You know, it's good to go to church. It's good to go to church when people are not leaving as they come in. Isn't that right? And you can just, you know, you can just worship God and enjoy the Lord for just a few moments. Amen. Yes, sir. They, they, they go to the ball games and they go into overtimes and all that and they think that's the best thing ever happened. You ever get into overtime in God's business, you'll really be getting something done. All right, watch what the Bible said. This is what I want you to see. The Bible said, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? The exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Watch this now. According to the working of his mighty power. There's something about the power of God that I don't know that we really appreciate the goodness and the greatness of the power of God. The Bible said the working of his mighty power. That's the only thing that's going to keep you going. That's the power that got you out of the sin you was in when God saved you from your sin. And if that power that did not get you out of the sin that you were in, you're still in it. Because there's just one power that'll get people out of sin and it's the power of God. I'll tell you, we don't need to water down the preaching and the teaching of the power of God. Do you know it? Oh, I bless him that he is real. The Bible said, which he wrought in Christ. If I've got it counted correctly, a hundred and thirty times in the New Testament, the Bible tells us that we that are saved are in Christ. Now, if you're in Christ, you're fixed pretty good. Well, what do you mean, preacher? It's like the birds in the air and the air's in the bird. You're in Jesus and he's in you. Isn't that right? Praise God. I tell you, it's wonderful to know that we have him, that he saved us 130 times the goodness of God, he's in us and we're in him. All right, watch this. The Bible said, this wonderful power which he did what? He wrought in Christ. How did he do it? 
when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Now it's wonderful, and we dwell on this, and this this is good, the resurrection. God raised him from the dead, but we don't want to forget the ascension because he ascended back and took his seat on the right hand of the Father. And by the way, while I preach, he is there. And I am there. I don't know how you figure this out, but the Bible said in verse number three of chapter one, blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Bible said that you are seated and I am seated in the heavenless with him. Well, explain that, preacher. Don't know what I can, but I believe it. You see, a lot of people said, well, if you can't explain it, don't believe it. If you ever or ever reach the place and ever reach the time that you can understand all of these 66 books of the Word of God, then I will tell you that you would be somewhere measured up to God. And if I could understand it all, I'd be like God and nobody's like God. So just believe it and practice it and live it and enjoy it. Amen. Praise God. I kindly apologize for this, but I got allergies real bad and I try to drown them. That's holding out pretty good. (laughs) Holding out pretty good. You know, the Bible said he's above all principalities and all power. Now, I'm going to change gears just a little. That's a pretty lengthy introduction. You know, if you go to Bible school, you know what they tell you? They take in homiletics that don't make your front porch too long. <laughs> because you need to start opening the windows before long. And then when you get the windows open, you're supposed to open the door. And when you get in the door, don't have them more out before you get in the door. So I'm... Uh, at least the preacher's saying amen. <laughs> By that, I mean he's saying, get on with it. <laughs> he's saying, get on with it. Now, I, I want to deal with something tonight, and I've thought about this all the week, and I've prayed about it, and I, I really want to move on to chapter 2. And before I begin chapter 2, I want to make this statement. The Bible said in the book of Ecclesiastes that a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. If you've ever 
if you've ever dealt with a rope that's brought together with three cords, it's not easy to break it. Isn't that right? And I want to tell you something. And this is where God, I believe, is wanting us to go. If you're in sin and you have not been saved by the grace of God, there are three cords that's got a hold of you. And if, if you don't get those cords broken, and by the way, you cannot break them. It's going to take nothing short of the power of God to break the threefold cords. So my first thought tonight, and it may be the only one we get to, the first thing tonight is this, where we were or in times past. Do you remember where you were when Jesus found you? Do you remember where you were when the Spirit of God convicted you of your sin? I'm telling you that if you don't remember that, then I wouldn't give a nickel for your profession of faith. Amen. I'm telling you, you can't tell me that a person can meet God and not know where they met God or not. Isn't that right? Now you can make a profession and not know where you met God or not because that's all you got. But if you ever get saved by the grace of God and meet Jesus, you'll know it. Oh, this is honey land for the saint. The Bible said, look what he said, and I'd like to read the rest of that, but I'm coming to chapter two. When the Bible was written, it was written on scrolls. But when, men, when God used man to put this Bible in a book, and by the way, there's just one book. When I got saved and was preaching a long time, I didn't know there were any such thing as these perverted versions. That's what they are. Praise God, I was pastoring that church down there. In those days, about all they had was uh, Southern Baptist churches, and a lot of those churches were real good churches back in those days. But they sent the assassination missionary by, and he come by, and I being a young preacher, I, I just, uh, you know, wanted to accommodate him, and I put him up to preach. And you know what he did? He read... Out of the Williams translation. Oh, fire was jumping out of my eyes. I was a young preacher. I didn't know the Greek and I didn't know the Hebrew, but I knew the God that wrote the Bible that I was living out of was the God that had to be the real God and that the Bible I had was a real Bible and the war was on. They... They sent the first Baptist pastor down to talk to me. Me being a young preacher, 
And, uh, but I had a little light of the Word of God. I knew the one that I met, and I knew that he saved me. You know what he said, Brother Jack? Now, I took him in the living room, and I was nice to him. I figured I knew what he come for. And he sat down, and he said, I tell you what. If you keep standing against these other versions like you stand against them, why, you won't have anywhere to preach. You'll be back up here in the mountains somewhere, and all you'll have is a stump to preach on. I said, I know one thing for sure. I know God saved me because I heard that blessed word of God out of this book that I am preaching. I may be preaching from a stump, but one thing about it, I'll be preaching the word of God. There'll be some wars if you stand for Jesus. But I want to tell you, I led the last chapter. He won the war. About two years passed, and I was preaching to more than he was. And I never have had to look for a place to preach. And I thank God for that. I preached way above Harriman this morning. Preached like a wild man. You know, I'm, I'm so young, I don't see why I wouldn't preach that way. You? I've been sitting over here with these guys. They got me fired up. The God we serve is real. You know why I'm so excited? I'm about to read verse 1. So chapter 1 goes into chapter 2. The Bible said, and you, talking about you and I if you're saved, and you hath he quickened. God said, I made you alive. I quickened you. God made us alive when he saved us. Why did we need to be made alive? Because we were dead in trespasses and dead in sin. We were all breakers of the law of God. We were all born wrong. And since we were born the first time wrong, we got to have another birth which we can be born the second time right. And the second time is a new birth from heaven. And if you don't have the new birth from heaven, profession or no profession, it doesn't matter. You don't know the Lord. I know you're not hard of hearing, but see, when I was called to preach, I was, I come out from behind the plow handles in Georgia, plowing the mules. Brother Jack, you know how it was. You preach Sunday morning, you preach Sunday night, Brother Hewitt. 
You preach an hour and a half on Sunday morning at least, an hour and a half on Sunday night. And if you can speak above a whisper, you remember them days? You could speak above a whisper. They thought you'd backslid. Come Monday. Is that right, Miss Kate? Is that right, Brother Jack? Oh, we, we're so, oh, you all don't know it, but we are so old and we're so far down the road here. We're living in a new world. <laughs> oh, yeah. I better get off of that and preach this book. You preach here, you got liberty. Don't give me too much. <laughs> Wear you out. I'll try not to preach too long. All right. Watch what it said. You have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sin. You know what the word dead means? You know what it means in the Hebrew? Do you know what it means in the Greek? It means dead. Oh, I can just hear them saying already. I can hear some saying already. Now that man is a Calvinist. I believe in election. I believe everybody's been washed in the blood, saved by the grace of God, over in the family of God, that he's one of the elect. Can I sit that straight? I believe in predestination. I believe everybody that's saved by the grace of God knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, that he's predestinated to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And I'll let the intellectuals figure the rest of it out. But I do know this. When Adam sinned in the garden, he died two ways. First of all, he died spiritually, didn't he? In Adam, all died. In Christ, all is made alive. Now, if you want to argue with something, argue with the Bible. I'm preaching like you don't believe this, but uh, I don't mean to be. Adam died spiritually, and Adam died physically. He died spiritually immediately, didn't he? And then he died physically 930 years that he lived upon the earth, but he died physically. And ever since Adam, men that's born are spiritually dead and they need the power of Almighty God to awaken them from out of the condition that they're in to bring them to Jesus. That's about a lost note in a lot of places now. That's the reason why that lot of people don't have anything but a profession. Isn't that right? That is right. Man is lost. Where in in times past? What happened in time past? We walked according 
to the course of this world. Now, all sinners, regardless of what they say, have a nature in them, and they love the world. Isn't that right? I love the world before I got saved, and I have to stay away from the world because there's some things out there that I could still love because I got an old man inside of me that I'm not going to get rid of until I get to glory. Oh, yes. Grew up on that farm. Then I got a job. I was doing pretty good. I was making $5 a day. On Friday night, my buddy and I'd get together. There was not much to get in in those days. There's too much to get in in these days. Isn't that right? Not much in those days, but too much to get in in these days. But there was enough of entertainment from the world that I loved it. So I'd go down where they served a hamburger. And they had what they called in those days a jukebox. And if you had 25 cents, you could play the jukebox for five times the same song. Or you could break it up and play five. But I had two favorites. One of my favorites was Fast Domino's Singing, what's behind the green door? I'd put that quarter in there and I'd say, let's share it five times. And he'd sing it five times and I never did learn what was behind the green door. But on that Thursday night, on pew three in that little country church where the old preacher preached, hell hot, heaven sweet, you got to be born again. I got out from there. I come down the old-fashioned mourner's bench. I started mourning over my sins, asking God to save me from my sins. I saw my unrighteousness and I knew I needed Jesus' righteousness. I saw hell was trying staring me in the face, and I knew I was going to hell if I didn't get to Jesus. And I want you to know, know tonight that I met the door of all doors. I met the door of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that he opened the door. He let me in. He shut out the world. He shut out the flesh. He shut out everything. And he saved me. I'm so saved. It's plum pitiful. How you like that? It'll work in this day. It'll work in this day. Oh, yes. See, I was seeing my wife 
that I was going to marry. And it was Elvis's day. Now, I never did think he was good looking <laughs> until I got over it and recognized he had me beat. But she couldn't catch him, so <laughs> I did for Oh, I liked it. I liked that song. My flesh really liked it. I'd put that quarter in there and measure five times. Elvis, sing. See, I had hound dogs. I knew what a hound dog was. I went possum hunting, coon hunting, fox hunting, rabbit hunting, and anything bird hunting, all kind of hunting. I like them dogs. So I like to hear Elvis sing. You know, my flesh could still go back to that, but I got a better song. And he'd sing that old song, and he wrote, I'm nothing but a hound dog. I'm just trampling all the time. And that's what I was. I was a trampling, lost, sinner boy that needed to get saved. But oh, praise God. I got saved in that little country church. And they started singing them old songs. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I was with lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Hell of salvation. Purchase of God. Washed in this. I miss the line. I'm telling you, I don't like this jazzed up stuff. You? I'm going to tell you something. This stuff they call contemporary rock, they call it. It's right out of the pit. God's not in a thousand miles of these places. If you want to really impress this world, paint your ceiling black. Turn all the lights out. Look like you're a honky-tonk and act like you're a honky-tonk. And before they get out of the yard, they'll be drinking booze. If you got booze in your refrigerator, get saved. Well, I think it's all right to drink a little wine, don't you, preacher? No. I'm not like these Reformed Baptists. And I want to tell you something else. The church did not replace Israel. I'm going to tell you, the church was in God's foundation before the foundation of the world. And in God's plan, this church is not a second thought of God. We're the bride of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, I still believe in the premillennial return of Jesus Christ. If I didn't believe in riding that white horse, I'd be afraid to preach against it in this church. I'd be afraid that Berman Cape would rise from the dead and come back and haunt me. I'm telling you, I believe we'll come back with Jesus on the white horse. 
Somebody said, well, why don't you read what I read? You might change your mind. I already read the 66 books. But I don't have to read what they're reading. They're off track. They're wrong. And a lot of them's going down that road. But old time religion will be here when Jesus comes. Praise God, we're not in a recreation field, we're in a battlefield. I'm enjoying it. I guess I don't know what time I got up. I tried not to look. <laughs> oh. I just got, I haven't even got down the meat of this thing. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you love the world, you better get in your Bible. And you better find out if you have ever truly been born from above. The world is still out there. But you better turn your back against the world. I've not been perfect. But I want to tell you this, Brother Gravely, when God saved me, I had my back. I didn't hate the church, I didn't think, and I didn't think I hated Jesus. But I had my back against the church. I had my back against Jesus. I had my back against the Bible. But I want to tell you, my brother, thank God the way you sing them old songs. When he saved me, he didn't turn me 25% around. He didn't turn me 50% around. Now, I had to grow some. But when the preacher told me that this is the way it is, and he showed me out of the Bible, I had no argument. I want to do what the Bible said. God turned me 75. And God turned me 90. And when he got me turned 100%, I was a new creature in Christ. Now hell's behind me. Sin's behind. Don't mean I'm perfect, but I'm walking toward heaven. I have been walking toward heaven now since March of 1957. If I count that right, that's 60 years plus. And you know what? God called me to preach right after, right after I got saved. He put me in the ministry. God called me. I don't believe in this business. You just decided as a profession where you just always wanted to do it. God will call you and if he don't call you, get your job, make some money, put it in the church, support the preacher, and support missions. In August, I finished up 60 years telling people what Jesus done for me. God 
Blood, a preacher in me. I might have said that the last time I was here. But I say it again, God put a preacher in me. That great, that great man from Greenville called Dr. Harold Seitler. They said he sent word to the church. You can come by to see me. I'm about to go home. And he preached all day the day that he went home to be with the Lord. Do you think that he finished the course well? That's the way I want to finish the course. The prince of this world. The prince of this world. Look what the Bible said. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I'm in Ephesians 2. Did you know Satan's kingdom is of this world? Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. I started this. I don't think I finished it. But if you're saved, the moment you got saved, he seated you in the heavenless with him. Amen. And I want to tell you something. Jesus, the devil said to Jesus in Matthew 4, if you will fall down, bow down and worship me, you know what he said? I'll give you the whole world. I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. They must belong to him. Does it ever baffle your mind that some of these million hours, billion hours, where they make all their money and how they get the power to make it, I'm going to tell you a lot of it is nothing but the devil's behind it. Because he's wanting to do everything he can against the church and against Jesus. But when King Jesus comes, and he may come tonight, if he does, then praise God, we'll go home. And not only that, but he'll give the Antichrist and all of the demons and devils seven years to do their dirty work. And we will come back according to Revelation 19. And the church will follow the king of glory. He'll have a bester dipped in blood. I'm going to tell you, we're washed in the blood, saved by grace. We've got the power of God behind what we're doing. Don't throw in the towel. Let other people do that. Keep on, keep it on. If I'd had the time, but that's not all of the problem if I had the strength. I'd have labored on all three of those points. But he said, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, the children of judgment, even as others. 
pretty good indictment, right? Yes, sir. I'm coming down to close. It'll take me a minute to get there. But I want to tell you, God's still in the saving business. Yes, We moved from Dalton, Georgia to Kingston, Tennessee in 1970. And I pastored the Calvary Baptist Church for 33 years. And it moves so fast. That's what's happening to you. It moves so fast. And finally, my wife's heart went down on her and I just couldn't do it. I didn't think it was fair to the church. And I turned the church over to, to Brother Plemons. And they still let us come there. And I want to tell you something. I was in there and they was having a meeting from Sunday to Wednesday. And there's a man came in and I knew who he was. He has Parkinson's disease now. He's 81. When I first got to Kingston, they had a hospital at Rockwood. And I was going down through there. Thought I was minding my own business. And all of a sudden, the blue lights come on. I didn't know how fast I was running or how fast I could run. I just moved in. I thought I was running 63. Buddy Patton come up to my window and said, where are you going in such a hurry? I said, I didn't know I was in a hurry, I guess, till I saw your blue lights. When I saw your blue lights, I, I looked down and I was running 63. He said, do you know how fast you're supposed to be running in here? I said, don't have any idea. He said, 50 miles an hour. But he said, you were not running 63, you were running 65. I said, yes, sir. I don't make it a practice in breaking the law. And I probably could have said, especially if I know they're watching me. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to give you a ticket. I said, yes, sir. I understand. I broke the law. He said, you take this over the judge. I'm going somewhere with this. I was as kind to him. I, and now I have a boy, it's a state trooper. He works Chattanooga and he works Ray County. His name's Steve. He's a sergeant. If you ever see him, tell him you know me. <laughs> he might be like he was when he, when he caught that drunk preacher. Young, he said, the drunk preacher said, God will find out. He said, Steve said, God already knows. <laughs> he said, well, my church will find out if you take me to jail. He said, you can be sure they're going to find out because I'm going to make sure they find out. <laughs> he said, couldn't you let me go? He said, my daddy's a Baptist preacher. If I caught him drunk, I'd put him in jail and you're going to jail. I got off my story. That's the way it is when you get old. That's why it takes you so long to preach. 
So he comes in the meeting on Sunday, and I greet him. By the way, the judge said, Preacher, I'm going to let you by this time, but don't come back again. You know, I haven't been back again. Don't mean I haven't broke speed limit. But uh, you know what? I'm telling you, that man respected me, and I respected him, and God got to dealing with him. He come every night. And on Wednesday night, the preacher preached, and I was sitting way over on that side of the house, and I had been watching him while the preacher was preaching. He'd shut his eyes and he's moving his mouth. He was on a cane. The Spirit of God said, you go over and talk to him. And I went over there and I said, buddy, wouldn't you like to get saved tonight? He said, yes. He said, yes, preacher, I would, but I can't get down there. I got this Parkinson. I said, can you get to the front pew? He's sitting about where you girls are there on the east. He said, I believe I can do that. We help him get to the front pew. I said, now I'm going to pray for you. I didn't read no scripture to him. If I've been preaching an hour or 45 minutes, they know you should read scripture to them because I've already told them what was wrong with them because God told them in the Bible. So what they need to do is they need to pray. Oh, brother, buddy, started praying, said, oh, God, I'm a sinner. He started telling God what a sinner he was and started asking God to save him. You guessed the rest. God saved him. And I was gone preaching out for two weeks, and I came in on Sunday night, and uh, Brother Plemons said, Brother Bearden, I believe you ought to preach tonight. I'd asked his wife, have you been saved? And she said, yes, I've been saved. I preached that night, but I didn't know this. But she had told the pastor's wife that morning, you know, I thought I was saved. Well, I started coming here and hearing Bible preaching and said, I've been reading those books, those books that we send out all over the, not all over the world, but many parts of the world. And I've been reading it with my Bible and I don't believe I'm saved. And I preached that night and she come down there. Didn't nobody have to help her. And she got saved almost before she got to the mourner's bench. Yep. Brother Plemons said that's about as fast as I've ever seen it. <laughs> what I'm telling you is God is still saving some. I really would like to preach this. But God. That's what verse 4 says. You read the rest of that. Who is rich in mercy? With that great love where he loved us. I preached that that night. That lady got born of the Spirit of God. Isn't it wonderful when they get in? I thank you for being kind enough to have me, Pastor. And I thank you for being kind enough to listen. I don't know how long I preached. But uh, I believe I obeyed God. That's what's important. We're standing. Pastor, I'm going to, do you want me to handle this? You want to come? Folks, I want to tell you, just a little profession won't do it. Now, will you listen to me and not get angry with me? You don't need a Band-Aid. 
And you don't need a psychologist. You need Jesus. Because you are so messed up, you are depraved sinners if you're lost. And the only thing that's going to get you out of the mess you're in, and you're in a mess if you're lost, you probably don't know it, but if God's dealing with you, you need to get out of that mess you're in. And nobody can get you out but the Lord. It takes the same power to save a sinner that it took to get Jesus out of the grave. That same power. That's what he's talking about. That power from above is what saves your children and your grandchildren. They don't need to be just sweet little children and sweet teenagers. They need a new birth from above. If they don't, they're going to hell as sure as I preach. They're going to hell. If they're your children, my children, your grandchildren, my grandchildren, if, they, if you don't get saved, you're going to hell. Brother, why don't you come and lead us in a lead us in a number? You there? I'm sorry. He's going to sing the invitation hymn. If you're away from God, quit fooling around. Quit playing around. You've got bitterness in your heart, hatred in your heart. You've let the flesh overtake you. And you say, well, preacher, I know I'm saved, but I've got away from God. You ought to get back on these altars and stay here and go home and get your Bible and go somewhere until you get thoroughly 100% right with God. And if you don't know you're saved, you ought to come down here and ask God to show you where you are, and I bet you, I would say, you'll probably guess it on the first guess. I don't know why I need to come. I, I would say, if you were to guess when you get down here, you'd guess it the first guess. You really know what's wrong. You just want to hold on to it, I'm afraid. Our brother's singing. I hope you'll come.